Welcome to episode 8 of That Classical Podcast. This time, the piano. Sing me a song, you're the piano man. Hello. Hello. Welcome to episode number 8. Can't believe it. Of That Classical it's, Podcast. It's double four. That's as many as I mean, as we're almost at 10 four. and then it's 20 and then it's only a matter of time till 100. So there we go. Oh God, that's um, a depressing thought. Today we are, do you remember when we, we did that cello episode? I do. Episode we're gonna three, lead you, I remember it well. Yes, lead you by the ears through the orchestra. Um, so this to, is not quite the orchestra, but close well, you know, sometimes we're going to do the piano today, lads. We are, the lads, Joanna. Lads, lads, boys, 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 lasses. The Joanna. Cotney Ryan's slang for a piano, isn't it? I mean, you just made that up. I I'm fairly sure. Honey P made that up, Chris. Um, I'm really excited. The piano is an instrument very close to my, close to me art. Um, Chris, are you going to tell us a little bit about the, the, jo- the Joanna? The, the Joanna, yeah. Um, we, we're going to stop calling it that for the rest of the episode, just in case I got I this wrong. I feel you, Joanna. Sweetie Todd. Anyone? Anyone? Keep going. Anyway, so the piano, yeah, not a tra- traditional orchestral instrument. Um, it often features with the orchestra. Mm. Um, it's pretty much every type of piece that's been written, where it's like chamber music or sonatas mm. or symphonies mm-hmm. or blah blah. blah. Mm-hmm. At some point, they have involved a piano. A Joanna. In them. They have. Um, so the piano, as we know it, didn't really come into existence till about sort of seventeen hundred ish. We're not exactly sure of the first date. It's really? um, yeah, it's, it's quite. It was early. the first one made of bones? It wasn't. The first one was actually made of cypress wood. <laughs> Just mine. Um, cypress wood. Yeah. Um, so it was uh, in Italy. It was an expert harpsichord maker. And he, a chap called Bartolomeo Cristofori. Sure. Um, who made a, an instrument. And he basically, he called it a keyboard of cypress with soft and loud. Um, with soft and loud. I mean, oh. piano forte, which is where oh we get the name piano forte. Which is why we now call it piano. Yeah. Genius. But the piano as we have it nowadays has got 88 keys, so 88 notes. 88. Episode 8. 88. It's a sign. Ah, I didn't even know. Uh, Amazing. Sorry. Um, And basically the way it works is you press the keys and it lifts up a little hammer that's covered in felt and it thwacks some strings and that's the note you hit. And so depending on how hard you press the keys, that's how loud and soft it is. Okay. So to show you a bit about this instrument's beautiful versatility, uh, we're going to take you this episode by the ear. By the ear! We're going to lead you through a little historical wandering through the, the periods. I'm excited. And all the different things that the piano's been involved with. I mean, not all the different things. Some of. This episode would be several years long. Absolutely. Um, I'm excited. What are, we, what are we starting with? Well, we're going to start with uh, good old J.S. Bach, my dude. <laughs> My fave. V-Dog. Um, uh, and we're going to talk about a piece called The Goldberg Variations. Mm, mm, do you mm, know mm. them? I do. I do indeed. Very good. Mm. Um, so this was written in, well, published in 1741. So, you know, still in the early days of the piano. Uh, written originally for the harpsichord, but since been played a lot on the on piano. On the soft and loud, okay. On the soft loud. Right. Because actually, wait, harpsichord didn't have any... You had to play it just at one level of volume, yeah, didn't you? Yeah, because the way that works, it's got... You press the key and a plectrum plucks the strings. That's why if you've ever heard any piece by harpsichord, it's just loud. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Yeah. But it's great. But um, I guess the piano was the first opportunity to actually put a bit more emotion Dynamic and... Variation. Yeah, yeah. A bit more feeling into a song. Sorry, continue. Anyway, let's have a little listen to uh, the Goldberg Variations and then let's chat about it. Let's do it. 
bloody lovely, Chris. <laughs> so that was the um, the opening theme and then the first variation on it. Um, so, oh man, I could talk about this all day. Bach is so, so clever. Oh my God. So it's the opening theme played once, then there's 30 variations on mm. it um, in all different styles. Oh, sorry, 30? 30. 30. Three, Three zero. zero. Yeah, yeah. Trant. Trant. Oh my God. Um... Yeah, and he crammed every style he could think of, basically, into there. He did. Um, but what he keeps the same each time is he's the same bass notes and the same harmonic structure for each variation. But over the top, he's just like... And just just puts, going mental. Going absolutely bonkers. Do you know why I enjoy that? Especially that first one. It makes me... You know how my imagination runs wild in classical music? Yeah. It makes me imagine that I've got this like big old dress on and I'm walking into a room and I'm like making eyes with like um, a 1700s Mr. Darcy um, and I'm like do you want to come back to mine for a harpsichord lesson oh no too late I've died in childbirth <laughs> um, uh, but you know what I absolutely oh, love that kind this of music it's so annoying I keep on scheduling people in for harpsichord lessons and then they just and then die dying in childbirth. childbirth this is so dark um, it was a grim time for women let's face it um, but no I absolutely love that and and um, what I love even more is, I mean, I didn't, do you want to talk about Glenn Gould? I do. So this specific in, uh, interpretation of the piece is probably the most famous one that's ever been recorded by a, a pianist called Glenn Gould, who uh, had an idiosyncratic way of playing the piano, shall uh, we say. Yeah. He like would basically contort himself over the keyboard. And like, I don't know if you could hear on that recording, but he sort of like he goes like He goes like... Ugh. He like mutters and makes noises while he's playing. Like a sort of constipation, but musical. It is wonderful. He gets away with it because he's so good at and the piano. Some, and sometimes he sings along with it. Um, he'll <laughs> he just does. be like, and it's like, I'll take it, Glenn. I'll take it. You know what? We're going to allow this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, funny dude, but really, really good at the piano. Fantastic. It's like when my when I was learning the piano when I was younger, my teacher, whenever he'd play me a piece, he didn't realise he was doing it, but he'd just go, shh, like this. What? Whenever what? he was How playing. Did he not realize? Whenever he was like playing a long kind of like maybe like a scale down, he'd be like, shh. Um, <laughs> and it would speak that that just always reminded me of, of playing girls. Anyway, that Chris, that Lovely. was absolutely fantastic. Um so I, I always want everyone to listen to more Bach, but so the whole variation set together is sort of 40-ish minutes, mm. but definitely, definitely give it a listen to this, this is the sort of opinion that Bach is really boring and like old and, and sort of... Who says that? I will fight Well, them. no, but I, I think people, people that maybe outside. haven't listened to a lot just wouldn't, I don't know. But please do, there's so much variety in there and in, in the variations. <laughs> Who would have thought? Oh, God. Um, but yeah, no, that was fab. <laughs> That classical podcast. We're moving ahead in time a bit now from a Baroque piece to a classical piece, capital C classical. Oh, stop. Um, by Joseph Haydn, mm. uh, who's one of one of the big dogs from the classical Where's era. Where's he from? What country did he hail he, from? He uh, grew up in, well, he lived in Austria um, mm. and was sort of a court musician for the uh, Hungarian family, the Esterházies. And so because Whoa. he lived there... He was just this incredibly prolific musician. Okay. I, when I was researching this, this episode, I found the contract he had to sign with his family, like as their like court musician. Oh my god! Um, was it signed in blood? <laughs> but every day he had to go and like ask, "Do you want me to play for you with my orchestra?" And the like man of the house had to be like, "Yes or no." And so he just had to like be on standby <laughs> yes. the whole time. Yes, I would. Um, Did he also have to like double as a PA? And no, like I pick the was... kids up from school. No, but he was responsible for the maintenance of all the instruments. So if anything broke, it was his fault. 
Oh God, <laughs> that seems a little unfair. Um, but yeah, so because he was this court musician, essentially, mm. he just composed so many things. Um, so he's sort of commonly known. He's actually not that well known for his piano pieces, really. He's mainly known for being the big daddy of big symphonies. Dog. He's mm. known as the father of the symphony. Oh my God. Um, guess how many wrote over his whole life? Twelve. A hundred and four. <laughs> You wrote 104 Whoa, symphonies. I mean, that's just showing off. Who needs that many? Right? Symphonies are big, big pieces of work. Did he get to perform all of them? Or did sometimes the family just be like, no. Yeah, just like, Not today. I've got a headache. I'm not sure. I'm sure they've all been performed at yeah. some point. Today, I want to listen to Rihanna. Thanks. <laughs> um, yeah, cool. But anyway, in amongst all this incredibly prolific... Um, writing of other pieces of music he found some time to write some piano concertos as well delightful um, and the one we're going to listen to today is I think probably one of his better known ones so it's piano concerto number 11 in D major mm. uh, let's have a little listen So that's Piano Concerto number 11, mm-hmm. Joseph Haydn. So this was written between 1780 and 1783, so actually not that long after, only about four decades after Bach wrote the, um, the Goldberg Variations. Okay. So um, Haydn even actually specified on the score for this that it was for harpsichord or piano. Um, so they were still seen as like I can see that actually. Yeah, there's not a lot of sort mm. of emotion involved, <laughs> is there? Um, yeah, I think this is a really nice example of how the piano was used during the classical period. So everything's sort of very balanced, very neat, really, Almost really pretty. Mathematical. Do you know what it I is mean? A bit. Yeah. Yeah. You were you were saying what well, I was I playing. was making faces. Fan, um, I feel like, pardon my French. The classical era is like the basic bitch of uh, <laughs> of music. Like, if the classical era was a woman, well, not a woman, or a person, it would be like Ugg boots, frappuccino, and like a Kylie Jenner lip kit. <laughs> Like, just, like, not that interesting. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Everything's um, very neat. It's very in place. It's, it's like, just it's not like, you're thing. fine, but I don't want to speak to you. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> anyway. and like, no offense that, to any of our listeners who might be wearing the, a Kylie lip kit right no. now. Um, but, you know, it's, I guess what I'm trying to say is, and I think we should be honest about this, mm. that is not the kind of classical music I enjoy. No, you I agree. I mean? And I, I think that's, that's the thing sometimes when people say they don't like classical music, that's what they're thinking of, that it's sort of... No, not to hate on it, because I do really like this piece. Sorry, I just massively did. Sorry. Um, I do like the piece, but it's sort of... You have to be in the right mood for it, I think, to enjoy it. And I think, actually, watching that being performed would be a lot 
more enjoyable than just listening to it from sure. uh you know from mm. spotify or whatever so um, but anyway yeah. listeners you're not here to enjoy the music you're here to be educated <laughs> all right and that's really important exactly, to know it's a very yeah. important classical piece yeah joseph Haydn's a very important composer <laughs> All right, you're not listening to he this for fun. He wrote a crap ton of symphonies, and that's all you need to know. Got, you know, just at dinner parties. Listen to his symphonies instead; so they're much better. They're yeah. much better than that. No, but that, I mean, thank you anyway. This is great. Cheers. You are welcome. Um, but anyway, no, I thought that was a really nice example of how the piano is used in concerti at the time. So it's sort of it's got a really outstanding sort of soloist line that allows for these really neatly, beautifully constructed phrasing, but it also steps back sometimes to allow the orchestra to have the tune. So nice. it's doing some of these, um, like... And te- yeah, technically, that is difficult. And, mm. and you know, that's... I, and that's the only I'm criterion. trying to be nice. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's great. Right, well, let's move on to some pieces you pick then, shall we? Let's. That classical podcast... This episode of That Classical Podcast is brought to you by Florian Leonhard Fine Violins. If you want to buy a violin or you need a bow rehair or a sound adjustment or anything at all, go to www.florianleonhard.com for more details. Next! It is I. And so um, we're going to. No, 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 it's mine. I, uh, just for some context, I told Christoph for being too loud <laughs> before we started this episode. And I just shouted. Um, Fine. Lads, lasses, uh, we're going to talk about Chopin. Chopin. Or shall I say Chopin. You probably should. Chopin list. Basically, I think we should probably do an episode in future about Chopin and the other composer list, just so that we can say Chopin list. list. Yeah. Um, <laughs> totally worth devoting a whole And I've ruined that joke forever. Uh, but yeah, we're going to talk about Chopin. Um, you mm. might have heard uh, of him before. He's, he's a Polish, Polish lad, mm-hmm. was a Polish lad. Freddie. Fred. What sort of time are we talking? Uh, we're talking, I mean, he was born in 1810. Mm-hmm. So around that kind of time. And the piece that I've chosen to play is actually my favourite piece by him. Um, he bloody loved the piano, Chris. Famously. Let me tell you this for free. <laughs> he loved the piano so much that just the piano he wrote, 59 mazurkas, 27 etudes, 27 preludes, 21 nocturnes, and 20 waltzes. Just for the piano alone. I mean, famously, they say once you start writing mazurkas, you just can't. <laughs> it's like Pringles. It's Pringles. Um, and so, yeah, and this piece, this, so it's called a ballad. I think Chopin sort of meant that in like almost the balletic term of the word, like a dance piece. Oh, right. Um, can yeah. you dance a ballad? Apparently so. Okay. <laughs> you can try. To be honest, I can dance to anything. I don't I, know about I've you. I've seen it. I know it. <laughs> you see it. You know. Anyway, yeah, so this this piece, he started it in 1831, finished it in 1835. <laughs> dedicated to Baron Nathaniel von Stockhausen. That such household str- name. Such a strong name. Um, Nathaniel von Stockhausen. Nah, neat. Um, yeah, I, I love this piece. I actually also love it because... If anyone has ever seen The Pianist, the film with Adrian Brody. Such a good film. Brody Quest. Have you seen Brody Quest? Yes. Everyone who hasn't seen Brody Quest, <laughs> go YouTube it right now. Um, yeah, and so if you've, if you've seen that film, just for some context, it's the piece that Vladek, the, the main character, plays to this Nazi officer at the sort of very close to the end of the uh, film. And yeah, you, yeah. it's this incredibly tense moment because you're like, he gonna die, he gonna die, he gonna die. <laughs> But and and it's but this Nazi officer is making him play you know a piece for him and you should watch it it's wonderful but it's it's a really emotional 
scene. Didn't um, Brody? He actually learned to play the piano. He for did. Film. He yeah, how to play a piece. fantastic, yeah. amazing. Um, and there's, I think, um, someone who was writing for the Guardian. Um, <laughs> basically tracked his progress over one year he wasn't a pianist really and he learned this piece for a year to see if he could do it basically a total amateur um (laughs) you should read some of those they're they're really great as well um but yeah let's have a listen and chat about it after Alrighty. do you think that ended <laughs> are we sure it's ended yet is that not gonna come come back in and start again bum nope bum that finished like a minute before it actually stopped i know right but how am i i mean oh yeah, my days great. so just so everyone knows that's number one ballad number one in g minor sorry i didn't i didn't say that before um but that is intense isn't it mm, and really i good. really urge everyone i mean the whole piece is nine minutes long so obviously we can't play it all we sort of played that one from mm. towards the end listen to the beginning and, and it, it's just so many different moods and, and feelings in it it's it's really fantastic please do listen to it what i really like about um chopin and list in fact so they were both i mean they were contemporaries really weren't they they were right about the same time this sort of 
early-ish romantic period um, is that even amongst all the sort of like pyrotechnic piano playing going up and down the whole keyboard there's a really sort of strong sense of melody that gets retained even right. in the middle mm. amongst all the sort of plong plong mm. stuff um, mm. so yeah just really sort of technically impressive as well as really beautiful and intelligent yeah and surprising writing, I mean I it's um, if you listen to the very beginning that theme comes in and then you don't hear it again mm. for like six minutes and you're like oh that's not going back and then he brings it back mm. again and it's this mm. sort of full circle thing and it's it's really I just can't express how much I absolutely adore that piece yeah and um, it's, it's good because it's such a sort of it's a piano-y piano piece you know mm, what I mean like it's, yeah. it's sort of the way it expresses itself it uses both loud and soft oh! and uses all 88 oh! keys yeah um, probably yeah <laughs> it's yeah, it's really cool because it shows that that's, that's obviously could only be played on a piano, that that style of music, mm-hmm. sort of a solo piece mm. that just has so many different elements incorporated into it. Yeah. I think it's really cool. Oh, I'm glad you like it. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> hey! Hey! No! No. <laughs> and finally. And now. And... <laughs> We should make more of your cinema trailer <laughs> voice. Can you say, and now it's Gershwin? And now it's George Gershwin. Oh my God, I would see that film. I really would. <laughs> Introducing. Oh my God. Anyway, it is George Gershwin now. <laughs> We're going to talk about George Gershwin. Yeah. Um, I got distracted. Lads, um, this I probably is my favorite piece of all time. I think me too. It's maybe, Rhapsody actually. in Blue. Yeah. Oh, it's so um, good. I had to, I mean, we had to do it. Um, it obviously, it's it's for an entire orchestra. It was orchestrated, but um, Gershwin did actually write this just for pianos. Mm, there's a solo version. Yeah. Of it, well, yeah. Um, now let's let's have a little chat about this. A rhapsody, okay. Mm-hmm. A rhapsody is a little bit different from like a normal concerto, and a concerto is just like a collection of um, movements one after another with a little bit mm-hmm. that you don't clap in but a rhapsody has no gaps so yeah. it just it's lots of different moods with some improvisation contrasts but it's just one ongoing piece okay um so gershwin himself he was born in 1898 in brooklyn um and was basically playing piano professionally by the age of 15 was it? and my favorite uh-huh. fact about gershwin is that you know those old pianos that used to play themselves yeah with the roles yeah gershwin recorded the roles what so in the, those those piano roles that yeah. is gershwin playing for you you know what i mean or it was I mean, way not, back when yeah. every one. i mean but a lot of them <laughs> a lot of them that was his job that's really how cool, amazing though. is that that's really cool. um and yeah he was a bit of a dude like um this piece came about basically because this this guy called paul whiteman uh, who was the famous band leader of the Palais Royal Orchestra, asked uh, yes, George... the famous Palais Royal Orchestra. <laughs> Palais Royal. Well, you might, I don't know if you know it. I do not. Um, basically, he asked Gershwin to write a sort of jazz number that mm. would heighten the genre's respectability. Mm. So I think at that time, people were like, jazz, that's not real music. Yeah, no, it was um, for the young hip dudes, but yeah. it wasn't, wasn't And he was like, dude, Georgie, GG, I want like a concerto-like piece but that's cool. Yeah. Um, and legend... He's like, I got you, I got you. I got you, I got you. And then legend has it that basically George forgot about the request until really? he saw, he read in a newspaper like a week before that he well, like, was... Premiere yeah, of a yeah. new piece by George Cash. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he was like, oh shit. And, uh, and wrote it as sort of a manic, manic pace. <laughs> um... And it's really cool. Like he came, apparently he came up with the idea on a train, uh, the okay. steely rhythms and rattly bang of a train and a musical kaleidoscope of America. And 
Um, Are these yeah. all your own words? No, 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 no. This is this is <laughs> this is what I guess he thought. And um, and yeah, as I said, he wrote it for two pianos, but this dude called Ferdy Grover orchestrated it for uh, for the concert. Oh, hold on. So the he wrote it for orchestra and two pianos. No, no, he wrote it for two pianos, but someone else orchestrated it. Oh, Someone right, totally right, different right. orchestrated it. And uh, another fact I love, sorry, there are so many great facts about this piece. <laughs> I'm just going to keep going. Um, basically, the, the piece was an instant hit. Um, mm. And originally, in its original form, like um, Gershwin just didn't write some of the pages. He would write like several bars. That's like, like completely hard Yeah, he'd be, he would tell the orchestra like, I'm just going to play some bars here. Like, don't play anything. Just wait for my nod. <laughs> so he would play bars and bars and bars of piano and then just nod to the orchestra. He would then continue the piece with him, <laughs> which I think is fab. Um, and just so much improvising. And finally, the best fact of them all, Ross Gorman, who was this fantastic virtuoso clarinetist at the time, um, came up with that. So at the beginning, you'll hear this sort of overt glissando oh it's fantastic uh, this naughty like naughty glissando yeah. slide all the way up and he came up this clarinetist just came up with it as a joke he was like hey George hey have a load of this <laughs> and George was like I'll take it he's like yeah, I'll let's take let's it let's go let's go for um, it so yeah so basically there's just there's so much to love about this let's just bloody listen and, and enjoy do it
No, it's just so good. It's so good. Chickity boo. Alright, <laughs> <laughs> this is like, oh, I just love it so much. It's the yeah. best. I mean, what can you? I've, I've, I've not really got much to say about it. Other than it's just, it just sounds really cool. It just is. All the way it's through. awesome. It also, when I was, I watched that. I, I loved that piece for a long time because I don't know if you, anyone's ever seen the uh, Fantasia, but the 2000 version. No, nope. you're right? the only person who's ever watched. Probably, yeah. Um, but there's this amazing animation to it, and it's all about New York, sort of in the era where they were making all the skyscrapers mm. and this fun it's just so perfectly i really suggest that you youtube it it really brings the song to life in a way that i don't think i could have imagined if i hadn't seen that do you know what i mean it's just lovely lovely um but yeah great um yeah So the piano, or shall I say the Joanna, the Jojo, get out right now. Um, I avoided saying Joanna all the way through. You're really proud of me. I've ruined it all. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, again, it's so difficult to put across a sure, decent like, variety of we've stuff. Scratching, we haven't even come yeah. close to scratching the surface. And like in terms of modern stuff, it's just the list goes on and on. Uh, and there's, you know, there's an endless number of ways the piano is used obviously we're only talking about classical music because all other genres can suck it yeah um <laughs> suck it but no i mean to be honest in terms of like the development of the piano that is pretty accurate in terms of how it went where it went that's you know? what we've tried to show yeah. i think anyway um so i hope you enjoyed this episode if you did why not tell all your pals eh? tell everyone <laughs> tell everyone we'll be back get it because we talked about that. Okay. Yeah, no, we've got lots of social media things, outlets. For example, our Instagram, at thatclassicalinsta, or our Twitter, at thatclassical. Or, what else? Help me, Chris. Help me, help me. We've got a Facebook page. Just type in that classical podcast, just like normal. Or if you really want to speak to us personally, you can email us at... That classical email at gmail dot com. You say talk to us personally. We're like we're we're in charge of the Twitter account. We're replying to you on there too. But more than that, if you get onto iTunes, leave us a little review there. That would help us out a lot. Mm, um, so please do do that, and we'll love you forever. Yep. Yeah. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next Thanks time. Bye. <laughs>